Hello, Marvelites. Welcome to Marvel's The Pull List for new comics out June 20th, 2018. I'm Ryan Panagos, a.k.a. Agent M. And I'm Tucker Marcus. Tucker, you got that sweet, sweet haircut, buddy. I, I, I took the plunge. Yeah. And uh, But no, I got, I got the, the summer buzz. Yeah. I got the summer buzz. I've been receiving some really good burns around the office uh, from good colleagues and friends. Screw them. Uh, no, I love it. I love a nice roast. I was told that I took last Friday off and... Uh, Mark Buckwhite's a, a good friend, uh, said he thought I just took Friday as a personal day, but it turned out I was invading a gambling ring in Chechnya. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the reference, but I'm into it. I just look, I think it's just that I look like vaguely, you know, pre fall of the Berlin Wall, <laughs> like <laughs> Eastern European kind of guy. Yeah, you could be on Sprockets. <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah. For, for serious. Yeah. Uh, you can see Tucker's beautiful, beautiful haircut on. Marvel's the pullest, the video version. Yeah. It's uh it's delightful. But what we're gonna do is talk about all the new comics out this week. Guys, we have 21 issues this week. 20 print, one digital exclusive, plus our collections and our stuff added to the Marvel Comics app and Marvel Unlimited. So we're gonna dive into things right now with Amazing Spider-Man number 801. And that is my first pick of the week. It is so good. I could ramble immediately right into this book and how much I love it and how important it is and how much it means to me. But I know, Tucker, you had talked to Dan Slott recently about how this book came to be with artist Marcos Martin, colorist Munsa Vicente, letterer Joe Caramagna joining Dan Slott on his final issue. What a great place to start. Oh my gosh. Yeah, right? It's This is... This is magical. We talked about Amazing Spider-Man number 800 recently uh, as the finale to Dan Slott's big, long-running story that he was working on with uh, the Red Goblin, all the pieces that he'd been putting into play. Uh, And it is magical. Mm -hmm. It is not uh, an issue you need to know anything about. This is, if you only read one Spider-Man story, this could be it. This is an evergreen sort of beautiful tale that tells you how important Spider-Man is in the Marvel Universe. Uh, there's this wonderful... I mean, the art in here is drop-dead gorgeous mm-hmm. throughout. Marcos has done some stuff for Marvel. It's been a little while since he did regular Marvel work. You would know his pencils, his his amazing style from Doctor Strange, The Oath, and from some earlier amazing Spider-Man work that he did during Dan Slott's run. But it's been a little while. He's been doing his own thing, some, some really interesting stuff digitally. Um, so getting him back here was amazing. Yeah, yeah. I, no I remember, pun intended. Oh, very good. I remember Dan talking about about bringing Marcos back for this issue a long time ago, um, months ago, uh, and he said that years and years ago he he spoke to to Marcos when they were working on Amazing Spider-Man together before, and kind of when they parted ways then for Marcos to go do his own thing. Dan has teamed up with some incredible artists since. Uh, Dan told Marcos he said. For my last issue, I know what I want to write. I know what it's going to be, and I want you to come back for it. And he's back, and it, it just—it's it, such a uniquely kind of granular look at superheroics and at Spider-Man and his legacy. Because, like, uh, you know, it's kind of seeing the trees in the forest kind of thing, where it's like how many countless thousands, tens of thousands, who knows, uh, little instances have there been of Spider-Man saving someone like this. And just to take it down to that person's perspective and tell that intimate story and just how one of those uh, saving moments is so impactful and so huge 
And, you know, it speaks to Spider-Man in our world as well. You know, uh, him as an amazing character and uh, as someone that has brought so much joy and has changed a lot of people's lives in such great ways throughout the years. And, you know, it's a perfect farewell to 10 years of just amazing, amazing work from Dan Slott. And really, this is this is one of my favorite issues of the year, hands down. I'm going to talk about this more on This Week in Marvel later this week. But it's it's a book about not just Spider-Man, but about Spider-Man's effect on on all of us and, and what he means to to the people around him, to the readers, to everything. It's it's a really great celebration. Next up is a, uh, a the tale of a different universe's Peter Parker and Mary Jane and their daughter Annie Mae. And that comes in Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows. This is issue number 20. It's written by Jody Hauser with art by Scott Koblish. Colors by Ruth Redman, letters by Joe Caramagna. Uh, we've gotten a couple little one-off uh, Amazing Spider-Man Renew Your Vows stories recently, and they've been so much fun. I just love kind of building out this world, seeing how these relationships are, uh, especially now that Annie Mae is a teenager and now that she's in high school and, and you know, being a teen and dealing with her parents, but also dealing with those classic Spider-Man tropes in her own very unique way. Uh, and this issue starts what um, looks to be like a really cool uh, beginning of a new arc where in the very first pages we see someone that looks exactly like Annie Mae you're kind of tearing through uh, a city and then Annie Mae wakes up. So the question here essentially is, is this a dream? Is it reality? And, you know, seeing Annie Mae react to that and seeing her parents deal with it in a very parental way, despite the fact that they're superheroes them- themselves, is very, very fun. Then a certain X-Men shows up. Should I say who it is? Mm, yeah. Yeah. He's been in the book. Classic Wolverine. Yep. Classic as can be uh, with the old yellow and blue suit. It's one of the things I dig about this book is how closely tied they've made the Parker family to... Wolverine and the X-Men in general, not just Wolverine, who's been in the book multiple times and, you know, going and and training and doing all kinds of fun stuff with Wolverine and uh, the X-Men students, but also with the villains. Yeah. You know, and we were getting uh, a little X-Men villainy in this issue is the cover sort of. Gives it yeah, away. yeah, yeah, but it's it's super neat. Uh, yeah, it's it's really great, and I love Jody's interpretation of Logan's relationship and dynamic with Peter because they kind of sit down, they have uh, they have a drink together to kind of break things down and talk about what's going on in their lives. But uh, yeah, we you, you know some secrets are revealed towards the end of the issue, uh, like Ryan said, alluded to on the cover. But I'm really excited to jump back into a, a multi-issue arc back with uh, Renew Your Vows and uh, this is Weird Science Um, that was a film right? Yeah Weird Science Science there you go (laughs) look at you (laughs) who did that song was that Oingo Boingo? I think so Danny Elfman man Danny Elfman (laughs) is there nothing Danny Elfman Wow. Uh, But yeah, I loved it and uh, excited to uh, jump back into Renew Your Vows moving forward. Heck yeah. Uh, We've got Ant-Man and the Wasp, number two out this week, written by Mark Wade, art by Javier Garon, Israel Silva, and letters by Joe Caramagna. This has, right up near the front, some amazing creature designs by Javier Garon of these, I don't even, like, what level down we're in of the microverse. It's like... So far down, you know, they shrink, 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 and there's levels of society <laughs> and 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 
reality that go deeper. And so these, what's smaller than an atom, whatever these things are, (laughs) these living creatures that are here, they've got this whole society. It's a mirror kind of a, a, a reflection of our own. And so we've got these cool designs that Javier does uh, with mouths and eyes and things all over their bodies. Yeah. He's doing so much work. It's crazy. So much. It's insane. It's so detailed, so beautiful, so weird. Uh, again, very strange looking things that work so well. Uh, but there's also right near the beginning of this issue, there's a so I says to Mabel I says joke, mm. which one of my favorites. I remember we referenced this like months ago. Yeah. There was a joke that we, I, I, that remember, I remember who, you brought it up. Yeah. yeah. It, it's just a weird little Simpsons thing. <laughs> and every time I see it, I loves it. Uh, but it's really cool. We find out that this issue sort of flips the script on alien invasions and, and weird stuff because you've got the society who is freaking out that this massive thing is destroying their world. And it's Nadia. Mm-hmm. She's, she's much larger, but she's so large that she's affecting this microversal reality. And she's blinded from what happened last issue. So Scott's inside her eye, shrunk down, trying to fix her vision. So you've got a whole bunch of things going on here. It's really neat that it gives us the origin stories for Nadia and Scott. If you are unfamiliar with them, you get them in a little handy-dandy way in here. Really fun, massive action and drama on a micro scale. Loving everything that the series is doing right now. Yeah, totally. Next up is Avengers number three. And I just have to say, Robbie Reyes, I love him so, so much. And that for me is what this issue is all about. Because essentially what's going down is the Avengers are off on kind of their own mission. The main core Avengers and they're taking on the Celestials and Loki and this crazy, huge, like, cannot describe how immense this action is. And then Robbie Reyes and Jen Walters, aka She-Hulk, are kind of on their own journey, teamed up, and their vibe is so much fun. What I enjoyed, what I enjoy specifically so much about Robbie Reyes here is how he is written and kind of thinking about what the writer of this issue, Jason Aaron, is known best for and the stories and tones of stories that he's known best for. It feels very... It feels just really cool and so fresh to get him writing a character that sounds like Robbie Reyes. It's so unexpected, but he just nails it so hard. Ed McGinnis, who's the artist, just is tasked with so much. I would love to see the correspondence between Jason and Ed where he just says like, there are celestials, so go go for it. Yeah, I mean it's crazy. Well, I mean Ed's a student of the game, and he uh, designed these the the new celestials, the dark celestials. But he's also joined by Paco Medina, mm-hmm. uh, tag teaming the art, and Paco two of them together. It's delicious. Yeah, they they, they do these big action with detail, heart great big moments Mm -hmm. throughout. Yeah, and David Curiel, who's the colorist on uh, this, is he just complements that huge scale so well. The inks are a trio of artists, inks by Juan Velasco, Mark Morales, and Jay Listing. So it's kind of a two-pronged story as the Avengers try to contain this 
kind of Loki slash celestial. I mean, it's more than a threat. It's pretty mm-hmm. much chaos. Oh, you've got open uh, one of my favorite panels from this week, which is Ghost Rider and Hulk. They're crashing through down into the earth where Doctor Strange and Black Panther are. And Ghost Rider says, hi, we're the good guys, I think. All that while throwing up devil horns at yeah. the side of his car, and it's just such a fun panel. It's, yeah, one of my favorite so one of my favorite lines of the week as well. It's cool because I don't think we've really gotten the like Avengers assemble, we are the Avengers moment yet. They're no, still th- kind of in their own worlds, doing their own things. And Tony even says, like, "Wait a minute, I haven't agreed to anything yet. I'm yeah. not. The, what are you talking about?" Yeah, I mean, he he and Captain Marvel in conversation with Thor just a page later, where they just say, "Together, we're not the Avengers." Yeah. As we move towards the end of this issue. Uh, I just had a thought, like, just when you think this couldn't get bigger, it does. Yeah, it does. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah. Uh, there's also one one thing about all of this, which I, Jason's written Captain America, mm-hmm. but like the character and things. But I don't know how much I don't recall him doing a lot of Captain America work. But there's a big Captain America move here. And I was just like, oh, I can't wait someday for Jason yeah. to write Cap. Oh, yeah. Like, however many years down the line. It has to happen. Oh, it's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Up next is Ben Riley, The Scarlet Spider, number 20, and is written by Peter David Art by Will Sliney, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, letters by Joe Caramagna. And I officially want a mindless one buddy. Yeah. And, and like a, a friend uh, of mine who I can go canoeing with, who I can go spelunking with, <laughs> who I can go ski balling with. Is that a thing? Ski ball? Yeah. Yeah. That's I, d- I did that's it like this the, weekend, actually. Did you really? Yeah, I did. Nice. Uh, there, so there's a mindless one in here, and it's really cute. A kid is like, oh, you know, he like walks up to him and the mindless one hasn't imprinted or ha- doesn't have a master. So the kid and the mindless one become like best pals. And then it just becomes so fun because you've got this engine of destruction being driven around by a child, mm-hmm. which is bad news. Uh, and this book also spins another Spidey story. Got one for Kane, one for Ben, mindless ones, cool X-Men villains, sailors. It's got everything you want. I mean, speaking of cool X-Men villains, there is no shortage of X-Men villains on the the Marvel Universal tour that Nathan Summers is on in Cable, and this is Cable number 158, written by Lonnie Nadler and Zach Thompson, with art by German Peralta, colors by Jesus Abertov, and letters by Travis Lanham. This story, as this run has been doing, takes place in a specific time in kind of mutant history. Well, this is this is a hotness. This is the time that I'm into, because <laughs> this is right after uh, X-Force number two, so you think... New Mutants number 87 is the first appearance of Cable. And then uh, over the next 13 months, you get the uh, introduction of Shatterstar, of Domino, of Deadpool, of Gideon, of Strife, of so much of what has sort of circulated around Cable and, and this group of mutants. And so right after that, it's like white hot. All the X-Books are marvelous. Millions of copies being sold. Rob Liefeld, crazy. They launch X-Force number one, a bajillion copies, trading cards in the, in the comics, and then X-Force number two. And I remember this one. I can picture the cover in my eye. It's art by Rob Liefeld. I think there's an X. And then you have Kane, a different Kane from the Ben Riley Kane. Mm-hmm. Kane, a.k.a. Weapon X. And he's fighting Deadpool and the two of them. And you're just like, <laughs> this is where this issue Right around there. It's us. it's so cool to to look back and be point out those moments where like so many longstanding successful characters just popped up seemingly at once. Like Bonkers. that feels like a moment that like of just like success and great characters for a certain generation, the same generation that Zach and Lonnie 
and myself, I think, really connect to mm-hmm. has that those characters really had an effect. Yeah, totally. So this takes place, like you said, after X Force number two, and we get the whole crew together. We have Boom Boom, Cannonball, Warpath, Feral, Domino, Shatterstar. And of course, uh, Deadpool himself. It's a perfect time for these characters to all join in together. I love how Zack and Lonnie wrote Deadpool. I think like it's kind of an interesting tight rope to walk for me because, you know, he can't just be like totally rando guy. You know, he has to have like a good logic and a good humor behind him. I thought they did a great job. Yeah, it was cool. And then we have Warlock in here and like that is just one of the this look has popped up recently in new mutants dead souls and it's just like such an enduring marvel image and the use of warlock here is really interesting because this is i don't know a year after warlock was killed Mm -hmm. warlock like very upsetting because he was a fan favorite character he had a big heroic sad death in, in the pages of New Mutants during the uh, Extinction Agenda storyline. And so we get this here and they're all, all the other characters are like, what's going on? You're dead. It's really neat. It gets very creepy and really hitting that horror vibe. Overall, I, I, I'm just loving so much how Zach and Lonnie are via this time hopping kind of choice that they've made where he, he's popping up between these different issues throughout X history and throughout his own history and things like that. They're building out his character at the same time. They're telling these individual stories, but they're just fleshing him out in their own interpretation, their own way in such a specific Mm. manner. And I'm really, really, really loving it. Yeah. And this uh, has one of my favorite covers of the week by Daniel Warren Johnson and Mike Spicer. Mm -hmm. Next up is Captain America number 704 written by Mark Wade, art by Leonardo Romero with colors by Jordi Belair and letters by Joe Caramagna. This is the final issue of this run before we dive into the big number one that comes out on July 4th by Tanahasi Coates and uh, Lenio Yu. And, man, it's going to be big. Uh, but this is A. Rogers, not mm. Steve Rogers, but A. Rogers versus Red Skull, the final fight. It's a clever wordplay in here I liked of developing the Cre- Skull War. The Creed mm-hmm. Skull War, you see? Mm-hmm. Mark Wade, he's clever. <laughs> this is just finalizing and finishing up the just this story about the legacy of Captain America, ending the run, sort of giving uh, good hero moments, making sure the evil Nazi-esque villain gets his comeuppance. It's all the things we want. Mm-hmm. We have next Champions, number 21, which is written by Jim Zub, with art by Sean Isaacs, colors by Marcio Meniz, letters by Clayton Cowles. This is Champions versus Alpha Flight. And how does that come to be? Well, basically, there's some crazy weird stuff happening in the Arctic, some really cool kind of character building and things like that, some new ideas and new characters being fleshed out by Jim Zub in really, really interesting ways up north. And uh, essentially, in response to the weirdness and the chaos that's going on up there, both the Champions and Alpha Flight show up to handle things, but of course they handle things very, very differently and they end up clashing as a result. Um, Miles is on his own journey as we go through. He's kind of on this infiltration uh, type mission. I love the way Miles looks. He's just running around in his regular Spidey suit, but he's got a varsity jacket over it. I'm like, that's a great look. It is a great look. Yeah, I, I totally agree. So not only is there great champions action up against Alpha Flight, but you add in bear action as well. 
That's B E A R to be specific. Uh, and it's it still it still leaves a lot uh to, if you've got a certain imagination you can still go some great places with it <laughs> yeah i'm right there with up. you i got him right there with you um there is th- there's just really really cool action in this issue i really loved it so much some of my favorite panels of the week from sean isaacs i thought he just brought it like crazy here with great great lettering um and you know, it happens sometimes. Uh, the good guys end up against the good guys. But... Uh, that's comics, know, baby. That's comics. And it, those moments are so great because you see not just how these characters deal with each other, you know, in combat, but they also how they deal with each other while they're kind of in discussion in the middle of combat, mm-hmm. how they deal with each other um, in the aftermath as well. And it just forces a different kind of reconciliation uh, between these characters. And obviously there's, uh, you know, a lot of significance between, you know, for example, the likes of Kamala and uh, and Captain Marvel. So there's a lot there. And uh, some, like I said, I what I enjoyed most about uh, where Jim has taken us so far with this run is some really interesting new stuff coming out of the Arctic region and some really interesting character building and, and, and world building up there, which is, you know, kind of a place we don't get to visit that often. But yeah, this Northern Lights story has done a great job with that. Heck yeah. Okay, before we move on to the next comic, I have a question, Ryan. Are you a Marvel insider yet? Wait, don't answer. Let me expand. When you're a Marvel insider, you earn points by watching videos, reading Marvel.com, playing Marvel games, and other stuff you're probably already doing. Then you could redeem those points for exclusive, awesome, excellent, cool Marvel rewards. Nuff said. You can join at Marvel.com slash insider. But right now, if you tweet at Marvel with your dream Marvel insider reward using hashtag Marvel insider wish, it could all become a reality and you could earn 500 insider points just for tweeting so i ask you listener what's your dream marvel insider reward hit us up let us know terms and conditions apply see marvel.com slash insider slash faq for full details back to the next comic all right We've got a big old uh, issue of Daredevil up next, number 604, written by Charles Soule, art by Mike Henderson, colors by Matt Mila, letters by Clayton Cowles. We get to see that uh, Matt Murdock's priest is so much more. He's, he's got layers. This dude is got something else going on. Uh, have you ever seen Brain Dead? Uh, AKA Dead Alive. No. It is one of Peter Jackson's earlier movies. Mm. It's uh it's a zombie movie. Mm-hmm. It's terrific. But there is a uh butt kicking priest in the movie and there's zombies all over and he like flips down and he like puts up his dukes, he goes, I kick ass for the Lord. And it <laughs> That's is one awesome. of my favorite cinematic moments. <laughs> That's awesome. And so I was reading this and I was like, Yeah, this reminds me of that. Great movie. Go check it out. Oh, that's great. Uh, but uh, here we find out that um, Matt's priest is part of this Order of the Dragon, which is so cool. Father Jordan, part of this this order that goes back hundreds and hundreds of years. We see there's this cool two page spread of their history, and uh, you know, in different centuries, the wars that they were fighting and how they sacrifice, they battle, they do all this stuff to 
try to keep the world safe. It's not about religion. It's about fighting for the greater good and, and doing some really cool stuff. I want to know more about the vampire wars of the 16th and 19th centuries mm-hmm. in Marvel history. Like that seems so cool. There's so much to mine there. And I like the idea of Daredevil fighting side by side with warrior priests against demons and ninjas. It's just rad. One of my favorite panels of the week is Daredevil in midair, wielding a sword and fighting the hand amidst total chaos in New York City saying, I am the sword. Like Daredevil saying, I am the sword. And it's a cinematic, really wonderful shot by Henderson and Miller. I can't speak highly enough of Mike Henderson. This arc, he did that uh, Deadpool Old Man Logan limited series beforehand. So friggin' good. His line work, so tight, so point, so perfect. But the last page of this promises big drama next issue. Mm -hmm. Real heating up. Yeah, there are a couple characters this week that popped out of different issues that I was like, I just want to see a story just about them. Like, they're so interesting, and Father Jordan is absolutely one of them. He's so cool. There's another character exactly like that in the pages of Doctor Strange number two. This is written by Mark Wade with art by Jesus Saiz, letters by Corey Petit. First of all, Jesus Saiz just crushing. He's on all the art duties in this book, and it is just absolutely beautiful. We start with a cool kind of montage as Doctor Strange is on this alien planet, and he's been essentially imprisoned, and he's there for, I believe, 72 days. But he's kind of the entire time he's making use of his time. He's trying to kind of study the planet. He's trying to figure out what happened to uh, his magical abilities while on Earth and now on this new alien planet. But while he's there... This is the character that I was talking about with this book. There's a new character who is an alien, and she was on the cover of Doctor Strange number one, and we finally get to meet her here, and it's really, really interesting. As I was reading this issue, I kind of, I I just had this realization that, like, this series feels, and this issue in a big way, it feels like a great episode of Doctor Who. It, because it's, uh, you know, okay, yeah, it's this doctor in space, but there's a, a sense of adventure and just a cleverness to the doctor that I feel like is just really has such a kinship with this story because, you know, overall, like they're, you know, Doctor Strange isn't about overpowering people with brute force. He's about using his intelligence. He's about using his very, very specific abilities to overcome what he needs to overcome. And then he has this great companion that he kind of teams up with. They're on the run. They're breaking out of jail. They're trying to make it together for their own specific reasons. They're getting to know each other as they go. It's a really great just sense of adventure that we're getting in this Doctor Strange series, and it feels so good. Yeah, I love these kinds of stories where Mark Wade and, and in this case, Jesus Saiz, but whomever Mark works with, they're just creating new societies, new threats, new ideologies, new scenarios, new possibilities. What you said, adventure. That is the, the word that really hits for me in this book mm-hmm. right now. It is an adventure. Mm-hmm. And I really love that about Doctor Strange right now. Also loving Hunt for Wolverine, Claws of a Killer, number two. This is just zombies, a zombie, zombie, zombies. <laughs> uh, it's written by Mariko Tamaki, pencils by Butch Geis and Mac Chatter, inks by Cam Smith and Chatter with colors by Dan Brown. And it's just Sabretooth's reaction to the zombies is so on point. He's just freaked out and pissed off. <laughs> He's like, like, what is going on? I got bit by a zombie. I don't like this. I'm getting <laughs> out of here. I love Mariko's voice for Sabretooth here. Her docking and Deathstrike as well, but her Sabretooth is really what clicks with me. Uh, it's just three ornery people 
ornery killers. They're all like in perpetual bad moods. They're all murderous rampage monsters who you do love anyway, but they are stuck in a zombie hell and it is great. I want this as a video game. I, when I was at E3, there were so many zombie things going on, zombie video games. So I was like, but reading this, I was like, man, I would play the heck out of this as a zombie video game. Next up is Infinity Countdown Black Widow, number one, which is written by Jerry Duggan with art by Nick Varela and Brent Schoonover, colors by Chris Peter and letters by Corey Petit. I love the first page of this story. It is so perfect, and it really gets at the heart of something very interesting that's happened over the past year or so in Marvel Comics and during Secret Empire and the aftermath of Secret Empire, all that's going on with uh, Natasha and then Tales of Suspense, and now where we find her here. But it's just her kind of crashing out of this window, you know, soaring through the sky towards the ground and with just the caption that says, I love being dead. One of my favorite lines of the week. Yeah, it's so good. And we get this great spy story. I love how Jerry writes Natasha Romanoff. It is awesome. And this is one of the other moments of the week where I was just like, I need I just need a Black Widow series again. And I think Jerry would crush it as he does in in this issue it's so good he is of course the big architect of the infinity countdown and the infinity wars that are coming and so he you know has some very specific ideas that he's putting into motion of course we saw how natasha had to do with one of the infinity stones herself leading into this major event and we get little notes of that as we go along here as well but it really just feels like a great spy story it's natasha off doing her own thing and what I meant when I when I said earlier, it gets at the heart of something very interesting that's been going on with this character is that, you know, it's of course, it's perfect. Her having that major event that like she's dead, Black Widow has gone. That's perfect. That fits perfectly to her advantage. And she's going to take advantage of that. And we see her doing that in really, really interesting ways with this story. Yeah. Jerry writes a great inner monologue for Black Widow. Very funny. I mean, the whole book has those elements of of comedy that Jerry does so well. There's the villain in this. I want to talk a little bit about the villain in this book. It's Jamie Braddock, who he's the brother of Psylocke and Captain Britain, who they are twins. uh, Although she later got put into the body of a ninja named. (laughs) Look, there's a whole lot going on. We don't have to get into all that right now. But Jamie Braddock is the is their brother. His mutant powers sort of allow him to mess up and change reality not on like a a a proteus level or a legion scale like not that powerful he's definitely powerful but not destroy the world levels of power at least as we've seen he's also schizophrenic and that kind of makes him both more and less dangerous in a lot of ways which you see especially in this book his perception of reality is not good yeah Uh, and i thought he died in the pages of uncanny x-force but it's comics and death and everything and stuff happens and whatever don't ask too many questions but there is a great character a really mysterious really super interesting characters one of the most kind of enigmatic cool interesting characters that flashes in and out of this story and moves things along in such a fascinating way and i just need to know more that's the character i want jerry to write more yes that's the i want the that book featuring that character that jerry writes give me that one yeah uh we're not spoiling that one you'll have to read infinity countdown uh black widow but more infinity countdown goodness with champions number one written by jim zub Art by Emilio Lyso, colors by Andy Troy, letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Sam Alexander, such a good boy, mm-hmm. such a good kid, but he is not nearly strong enough to deal with everything around him. But he tries. The guilt over 
Warbringer in, in the pages of Nova and all new Avengers a while ago. Sam fought Warbringer, pissed him off, and basically just left him in ways that just made him a bigger problem, made him more dangerous. And now we saw him in the pages of Infinity Countdown. He's a big old issue for everybody. So Sam has to, he, he finds out about it. He's like, I got, I got to go take care of it. And we get this great moment with Sam, like dealing with his guilt and his frustration and his want to be there for all his friends and his family. And he tries not to tell them by telling them. And then they're like, dude, bro, we're all, we're all in this together. Let's do this. So Sam literally carries the team to fight Warbringer. It's such a great moment. But truly, they are outclassed. Plus, you've got Thanos coming. This is a cool side story that helps pick up the threads of what's going on with Warbringer uh, in the pages of Infinity Countdown. Next up is my pick. Oh, the week. It's Peter Parker, Spectacular Spider-Man, the annual number one. It's uh, We have a couple of stories in here. The first one is called Paper Trail, and it's written by Peter Parker's Spectacular Spider-Man writer Chip Zdarsky with art by, oh man, oh man, this art by Michael Allred, colors by Laura Allred, and letters by Travis Lanham. And then we have a backup story that is written by Mike Drucker with pencils and colors by Chris Pashalo, amazingly, uh, and with inks by a whole host of of people including Jamie Mendoza, Victor Olazaba, Wayne Foucher, Live Say, and Tim Townsend. But this first story is all about the Triple J, J. John Jameson, and his ever-evolving relationship with Peter Parker slash Spider-Man and how that clashes or resonates with his very specific personality. It is a really great kind of generational story of Jay Jonah and his journey uh, through the years. It's really, really, really interesting and very specific look. I have to say, though, I mean, I love everything about this story from what Chip is doing, but the way it's realized by Michael Allred is just so just unbelievably good. Yeah, one of the, one of those people that I will unequivocally always now call a modern master. Mm-hmm. Like, just, just wow. All those pages, you're looking at a fight scene, Ms. Marvel and the Shocker in one page, or uh, the antics of a young Jonah uh, and him uh, spilling ink all over himself to just... Like, there's a panel right there of Peter and his spider sense is going off. So, just a little flash of the Spider Man. Yeah. It's so beautiful yeah. and so well done and so simple, but made, you know, realized by the Allreds. Oh, yeah, it's, it's so incredible. The, the seeing those classic Spidey moments, um, like where we get a flash of half of Pete's face, half of the Spidey mask, just that iconic panel, something like that, versus just other moments where he captures the humor of a, of a moment with a facial expression yes. or um, some body language or something. It is so perfect. I mean, there's nothing that the All Reds together cannot do. It is so, so good. And, uh, you know, Chip, I think, has been doing an incredible job. Um, you know, he's added a, a new, unique you know, modern element to Jonah and how he approaches Spider-Man. I think it goes to Chip being a former newsman himself. Yeah, yeah. you know, Chip would wear the the big the hat with the little press yep. uh, ticket, ticket yeah, in there, yeah. and yeah. like that. That's Chip. That's what he did yeah. for so many years. So as a former newsman, I think he's trying to give us Jonah and and prove that Jonah is, is a figure with a heart. Elevate him 
into new ways that isn't just like the sputtering, you know, angry at Spider-Man menace and especially the last page of this yeah. story. Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Just su- just beautiful, beautiful work. Um, really beautifully told. The backup story, which, uh, as I mentioned, is written by comedian Mike Drucker. Do you follow Drucker? Because I feel like Drucker is right up your alley yeah, comedy-wise. Com- yes. And He's he, 100%. He completely is. I'm a huge fan. I was so excited to see that he was taking uh, taking a, a stab at uh, Spider-Man here. And it's great. It's a great little short story, but it, it hits all the moments. And the art is so unique, so specific, so Bashalo. It is really, really gorgeous with some really just beautiful kind of painterly colors and, and things like that in there. It's a short little story, but it really uh, hits some wonderful notes on the way through. Hopefully we can see more Mike Drucker in the pages of Marvel Comics moving forward. Yeah, Drucker, uh, really funny, but all mixes in the morose sad sack mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. in with really funny moments and recurring gags in this story that you, you would find in his other work. He He's worked for uh, Samantha Bee, President Show, The Onion, so much more. But I yes, I agree with you. I hope we get more from him. Hope we also get more from Runaways because it's just rolling along. And I love this book so friggin' much. Runaways number 10 out this week by Rainbow Rowell. Art by Chris Anka and Matt Wilson with letters by Joe Caramagna. Man, I don't know what it's like to be a 13-year-old girl. I'm just <laughs> going to put that out there. I'm going to be real honest with everybody. I do not know what that's like. But... I imagine that Rainbow has captured it really, really perfectly mm-hmm. here with Julie Carolina and, and the things going on with them. Julie Power, who is dealing with actually getting turned back into a 13-year-old girl. Molly and Abigail being 13-year-old girls. Abigail spending 50 years learning how to do things is such a neat story. It's like if you had eternal youth, yeah, I, you learn everything. Yeah. I want to learn all the languages. Yeah. I want to learn how to fight aliens and, and <laughs> Krav Maga and all that cool stuff. Uh, she beat Ninja Gaiden twice. That is really difficult. Yeah. That game is punishing. <laughs> it is hurtful. Uh, that is a baller move. Chris Anka, Matt Wilson, they continue to prove how good they are. The action of a 13-year-old girl beating up the entire team is just, it works so well. It's fast. It's pop, 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 pop. Or just the squad in the van at the end. They're sad. It's a somber. The looks on their faces, the... The, the way that they're sitting, it's all, it's told in the art. Or, or Julie's transformation. It's, you know, gorgeous. It pops off the page. Emotion and motion throughout this book are just perfect. And this is also one of my favorite covers of the week. Uh, it reminds me of that Tom Petty video. You know the one, the, the Alice in Wonderlandy type video? They eat the cake and the cake is the girl. And it's really Whoa. freaked me out as Whoa. a kid. Yeah, it's disturbing on many levels to me and it haunts me to this day moving very swiftly on to spider gwen number 33 which is written by jason latour with art by robert rodriguez and chris visions colors by rico renzi and letters by clayton cowles this is a really great super specific issue in the entire run of spider gwen because gwen is in jail we open up with her talking to jen walters before she goes there into jail can i just talk about how Jason Latour writing Jen Walters Hulk as Hulk Hogan <laughs> is a revelation to me. The way she, there's a line, she says, uh, these 24-inch pythons aren't thrilled about these suit sleeves, but they'll be free soon, brother, just like Gwen Stacy. And so, like, I was picturing that, and it's just, I, like, waves of joy washed over me as I was reading this. I love Jason Latour. He is the best. It is so, so good. Uh, so we see Gwen in the courtroom, and then we see her... In jail. And this reminded me of a lot of great, like, 
TV shows or TV miniseries, things like that, where it's just like, it's kind of a jail story. It's a story about being stuck in prison and what that does to someone and what that does to someone's psyche. So seeing the narration of Gwen and seeing her interactions with the other inmates is really tough and really, really fascinating because it's dark, it's claustrophobic, it's foreign, it's unsettling, it's all the things that you would expect something like prison to be because it's so tough, there's no escape, you know, it's relentless and it's a really dark and difficult time for Gwen uh, who has to, of course, deal with all of this as Gwen, not as Spider-Gwen. And so she's really being put through the ringer here. I mean, as we move through the pages, we can see that, you know, coming out physically. We know it's affecting her mentally at the same time. She is really being tested uh, at this moment in time. And it'll be really interesting to see how she comes out, you know, hopefully on the other side. Yeah. One of the things I've always loved about this book is the willingness for Jason and Robbie and Rico and every creator who works on it to take chances, Mm -hmm. big chances and sweeping changes for Gwen, for her world, for everything that's going on there. So good. I love that book. All right. Also, a book that I loved was called Spidey, and it is done now, but it was all on Marvel Unlimited. You can read the full series. It was written by Robbie Thompson, a lot of art in it, especially by the end by Nathan Stockman and many others. But we now have a digital comicsology uh, uh, exclusive called Spidey Schools Out. Number two is out this week, and it, it's neat because it picks up from that Spidey series. And it's written by former Marvel editor, now editor-in-chief at IDW, John Barber, and art by Todd Nock. And it's so fun. It's a young Peter Parker figuring his way around superheroing. In here, he's at Stark Camp, which is basically a science camp for super smarties, run by Tony Stark. We get Gigi, who looks kind of like MJ from Homecoming, uh, plus Ganke. And, and tons of shenanigans. It really scratches that itch of young Pete dealing with his secret identity, friends, school. Like, if you're looking for that ultimate Spider-Man, that classic Spider-Man feel, this is really a, a book. And if you've never read Spidey by Robbie Thompson, please, I, I heartily implore you to check it out on Marvel Unlimited. There's a really great story with Captain America that, man, I loved uh, what I also loved and was nearly one of my picks this week is Star Wars Poe Dameron number 28. And the first half of this issue is is recounting of the final battle from Force Awakens, the Rebels taking down Starkiller Base. But it's unclear who's talking. And I didn't flip ahead to see who's talking, but I had some guesses. And, you know, there are little things. And I, I, I went from this character to this character. Who, who are these people talking? Uh, I assume you did the same time. Mm-hmm. But when you get to the reveal, it's one of my favorite moments in recent Star Wars. Not just the comics, but recent Star Wars anything. And it was so good. It'll likely make you go back and reread those first, you know, like 10 pages or whatever to get a different feel for them and get them in the perspective of the characters you know who are talking at that point. It is written by Charles Soule, art by Angel Unzueta, colors by Arif Prianto, and letters by Joe Caramagna. Beautiful cover, as always, by Phil Noto. Man, ooh, he's the best. I love Phil. I wish he did more interior work all the time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, also in this issue, we get some of Ray exploring the ancient Jedi text, which was a cool little bit that was hinted at in The Last Jedi. Finn and Poe doing a little chitty chatty. Some neat bridging of, of, of the movies. But one of the biggest things that this issue does is answer a question that many of us who have read the comics and, and watched the movies wanted to know, where the heck is Black Squadron? Mm-hmm. You know, Poe's all on his own at the beginning of The Last Jedi. We've seen how important they are to him in the pages of these comics, and it's all canon. So what's going on? Now we're in new territory. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're outside of the movies, and we're getting new stories that will bridge us to... Does the next movie have a subtitle yet? No. 
Episode nine. <laughs> you got you got real quick on that one. I don't know. I'm, you know, you're you're my Star Wars guy. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Such good stuff, and there is more excellent, wonderful pick of the week stuff in Tony Stark Iron Man number one. This is Jamie's pick of the week this week. It is, you know, dance a lot left off somewhere this week, and he begins somewhere else this week, and that is as the writer of this new series. The art is by the incredible Valerio Schiti with colors by Edgar Delgado and letters by Joe Caramagna. We start off with the International Robot Soccer Championship. What? Yeah, it's great. It's great. You know Uh, me and soccer. (laughs) 25 years ago, this took place, and we see that it's actually a young Tony Stark who was entered into this competition. And then we come back to the present, and we see that the man who he competed against and defeated handily, who is the founder of this place called Bong Robotics. Andrew Bong, I think his his name is Andrew Bong. Uh, Tony Stark comes back to him, and he plays him a visit, and he invites him to come check out Stark Industries. And I really love this look inside of Stark Tower because it's kind of like gave us kind of like a a workplace view. Like you kind of get a sense of the culture that Tony has built and his company and people he works with and things like that. It's really, really cool. Uh, Essentially, there's just a ton of great, you know, establishing and world building and things like that with this new run with Dan Slott's new interpretation of this character. And I have to say Dan Slott's voice just is just like just fits perfectly into Tony Stark and he just comes aboard just no learning period no learning curve he's just right into it and just crushing you right away there's some great stuff with the one the only Finn Fang Foom and in response to Finn Fang Foom the Finn Fang Foom Buster oh it's so cool so good yeah great start to Tony Stark Iron Man and uh, Jamie will talk about it more on This Week of Marvel yeah all right, on to Weapon H, number four. I've, I love this series. I feel like it shouldn't be this good, this fun, this emotionally resonant, this gorgeously rendered, this intriguing. But every issue, it absolutely hits. It delivers. Going back to, oh, when we were kids, what if there was a Wolverine and he was also a Hulk? <laughs> and, you know, it feels like something a kid would say, but it, because you have amazing creators at the helm, it crushes every week written by greg pock pencils by Corey smith inks by terry pallet and roberto poggi colors by maury hollowell and chris sotomayor letters by vcs joe caramagna man it's it's so good dario agar in here has been such a great jerk bag in as a villain in thor but he's in here and he's kind of like a villain from an 80s movie but one who's become who's won and become super successful and is also a minotaur and <laughs> and that is this like main antagonist pulling the strings going against Weapon H, a.k.a. Clay, uh, who is our Hulk Vereen. I I love using him as the villain and Clay having to deal with the, all the creatures and the things that Roxxon is throwing at him to try to capture him. In this case, it's a genetically a GMO man thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's, it's not our proper man thing, but it is a man thing creature who has the ability to burn... When you feel fear, burn you at the touch. But he also has some other abilities in there. It's really neat. And as always, Corey Smith's art, especially in the action scenes, is incredible. We've got this page open right here. Man-Thing sort of grappling Clay. The, uh, Weapon H. I, I'll just call him Weapon yeah, H. Yeah. Grappling Weapon H. And he's, you know, tendrils uh, of, you know, not tree, but Man-Thing tendrils just wrapping around him. It's so gnarly. Or this scene here where Clay finally, like, he snaps. He gets really 
afraid, but also angry. And the look on his face, the way it's it's rendered, it's so cool. And then the next page, this big explosion. Such a great damn book. So good. All right. Last one this week is a big pick of the week. Yeah. It is X-Men Gold number 30. One of my picks. It. Oh, I mean, look, I'll just, this is literally all I can say about this book. And all I can say about it is the credits. <laughs> it's it's written by Mark Guggenheim with art by David Marquez, colors by Matt Wilson, letters by Corey Petit. There are spoilers everywhere in this book. I can't touch it other than to say it was incredible. So good. You're going to break it down on This Week in Marvel. The other note I want to say is on Marvel.com right now, the incredible Walt Hickey of 538 and of so many other things you've read of him online. He has been everywhere. He wrote a great kind of statistical breakdown of the weddings in the history of the Marvel Universe. Which ones are successful, which ones aren't. I think he looked at like dozens and dozens and dozens of different weddings throughout Marvel history, broke down what happens when superheroes try and marry superheroes, when superheroes try and marry villains, when it's villain and villain, when it's citizen versus citizen, all of these things. There are some great infographics built in there. It's a really unique article. We haven't done anything like it, uh, at least since I've been here. It's really, really cool. I highly suggest you check it out in preparation for this issue and uh, in the aftermath of this issue. Everything, it is huge and crazy. X-Men Gold is mind-blowing this week. Yeah, as Tucker mentioned, I highly suggest you do not read any anything about this issue and just dig into it just know you've got dave marquez and matt wilson on art that's that's your that's your reason to buy the book even if you don't care about weddings Mm -hmm. that's it right there and mark guggenheim uh is just delivering the x-men goodness so that's it for our books we do have two true believers one dollar bargain books out there ant-man and the incredible shrinking doom number one and true believer scott lang the astonishing ant-man number one each one one dollar one crisp american Dollar bill. <laughs> you like that one, Tom? Yeah, one crisp American dollar bill. Collections on sale this week include Amazing Spider-Man Worldwide, Volume 8, Champions Classic, The Complete Collection, Doctor Strange by Donny Cates, Volume 1, God of Magic, The Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, Volume 8, My Best Friend's Squirrel, Venomnibus, Volume 1, Weapon X, Volume 3, Modern Warfare, and Wolverine Savage Origins. Yeah, we also have on the Marvel app, uh, as always, a bunch of issues. Uh, there's a Spider-Man Get Craven storyline here, and I just remember that being a cool story. It's like mixed Hollywood with Craven's son. Hollywood Hogan? Don't get me started, brother. <laughs> uh, during the NWO in a second if you came looking for me. Uh, but there's there's also some uh, a cool sensational She-Hulk ceremony limited series plus many more digital collections, uh, the books that Tucker talked about, plus a bunch more, a couple Thor collections in there, Fantastic Four. You're going to check it out. Warren Remembers, Captain America, really neat one. On Marvel Unlimited, I got to point right to Force Works from 1994. Benjamin J. Morse would be real excited about this one. You get issues 1 through 5, 8 through 22 of Force Works, plus some Dakota North in there. There's a Dakota North collection coming out, which surprised the heck out of me, but I was real excited. You can read about Dakota North. She's a cool private investigator. That's on Marvel Unlimited. The full list of comics coming to our digital platforms, Marvel Unlimited, Marvel Comics app, will be in the news story, as well as we'll have links in the show notes so you can get all the info that you need wherever you need to check it out marvel.com or the show notes for the episode that wraps it up for this week's marvel's the pull list that's right yeah and we'll be back next week with more i'm ryan and i'm tucker this is marvel your universe